it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Thanks Brian so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We've got Congressman Mike Gallagher standing by, Senator Joni Ernst, uh, fresh off a Middle East visit, uh, military veteran, Senator Arms Service Committee member. Uh, and we have a lot going on today, and we have a, a hot war going on. Uh, and right now, you see, we've been watching it all morning on Fox and Friends. Uh, they are bombing, and I can't see if it's coming from jets or rockets or who knows, even drones, Gaza. And you see these huge plumes of smoke, and you know they are targeting things that have secondary explosions, especially in these, the port of Gaza where there's some boats sitting out there, and I don't think they just want to stop them from fishing. Before we get to Congressman uh, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Would you vote for Steve Scalise? I would not. I plan on voting for Jim Jordan. I'm not supporting Steve Scalise. I'll be voting for Jim Jordan. It's not over. I'm still throwing my support behind Jim Jordan for Speaker. I'm concerned he doesn't have the votes to get to 218. Is this insane? Political suicide. Republicans show they are a house in turmoil as Steve Scalise emerges as the choice for speaker, but sits uh, but sits without the votes to be the speaker as the selfish self-promoters put themselves ahead of their party, their chamber and their country. Number two. Was it bird brain? Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, he used to be cool at that. He's not cool at that anymore. But he sees the numbers we see. We're coming. She's not coming anywhere. She's down to me by 40 and 50 points. I'm beating her in South Carolina, her state, by 30 points or more. 2024 polls show Trump and Haley gaining momentum as both show they would handle how they would handle this hostile realigning world. We talked to Ambassador Haley yesterday. You'll hear from my conversation, you'll hear from Donald Trump in my exclusive conversation that will air in its entirety today. Number one. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. I never thought I'd ever. Anyway, anyway, uh, turns out he didn't see any of that video of beheading children. Heart-pounding tension in Israel as a major offensive into Gaza could begin at any moment. And the threat of a multi-front war looms. Let's bring in Congressman Mike Gallagher now, chairman of the Select Committee on China and so much more, Marine veteran. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Your take on what you've seen so far. We had our Secretary of State uh, have a joint press conference without taking any questions from the press. His remarks were stern and straight and and shows uh, that so far we're speaking. We're very much in their corner. Are you comfortable with that? I'm, I'm glad he went. Uh, I'm glad that thus far the administration has voiced its uh, unequivocal support for Israel. But as we've talked about before, Brian, really the critical thing is not words, it's actions. And the actions I'm looking to see, well, let's admit some of these actions are are actions Congress needs to take. And the ongoing turmoil over the speaker's race and the self-immolation among con- congressional Republicans precludes us from taking up a bill to resupply Israel, to make sure they don't run low on ammo for Iron Dome, to make sure that they have the small diameter bombs they need as they launch an offensive into Gaza, to provide any other assistance that we can to ensure that they can recover 
as many of their hostages and we can recover as many of our hostages. So that's not something we can just blame on the executive branch. We need to step up in Congress and do that. Where the executive branch, I think, needs to change course is on its overall regional policy, which is a policy of trying to resuscitate of the Obama nuclear deal with Iran. And that really is the cause of a lot of the regional chaos. It, it misunderstands the traditional alliances that we've had. And Iran is, of course, Hamas's patron, even if you don't think that Iran gave the green light for this terrorist attack against Israel that Hamas perpetrated. Hamas has, of course, undeniably benefited for years from Iranian weapons, Iranian training, Iranian financial support. And, of course, Iran's primary terrorist proxy, Hezbollah, is sitting there in the north threatening to launch a second front against Israel. So abandoning the nuclear deal and reimposing a policy of maximum pressure on Iran is the only path forward that gets you to regional stability over the midterm. And that's where I do think President Biden needs to change course. So uh, how we got here, uh, how we got here is stunning, too. And it's really an Israeli intelligence failure. Here's what uh, President Trump told me yesterday. Cut seven. We have to protect Israel. They've been, you know, apart really a part of this country, the fabric of what we stand for. We have to protect Israel. There's no choice. And do we have to do it? Uh, he has been hurt very badly because of what's happened here. He was not prepared. He was not prepared. And Israel was not prepared. And under Trump, they wouldn't have had to be prepared. Look at what we did for them. And we did that alone. We didn't do that with Israel. And you know what I'm talking about. We did that totally alone, not with Israel. And, uh, but they were not prepared. It's really hard to argue. They, they were not prepared in any way. We still don't know exactly how they were able to pull off this attack. But we know one thing. Uh, Israel was totally surprised by it. Yeah. And, and this, of course, happened uh, near the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, which uh, was a massive intelligence failure on the part of the Israelis. And so the parallels are actually very stunning. I would commend to your listeners an article that uh, Mike Duran recently wrote about the Yom Kippur War, which goes in-depth about the failures that led to it, as well as the broader geopolitical dynamics, and then lays out some lessons for the present day. Um, but we clearly also did not have our eye on the ball in terms of Hamas's capabilities and intentions. And I really think there's a bigger lesson here, because the part of the, the status quo thinking was that because Hamas had such severe challenges in governing Gaza, that they had kind of reached a, 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 a modus vivendi with Israel. They wouldn't do something this brazen, which gets to this big idea of uh, that the president voiced with respect to China, which is because China has such severe economic problems domestically that they won't risk invading Taiwan. But I think with the, the war against Israel, the war, Russia's invasion of Ukraine should remind us is that sometimes terrorist groups and authoritarian regimes do things that may seem illogical from a Western perspective, but we can't graft our own sensibilities and values onto them. We have to prepare for the worst case scenario. And above all, we have to rearm because hard power is the only common language that we speak in many cases. The best way to preserve the peace is for us to have a credible military deterrent. And I worry that that deterrent is crumbling around the world right now. I know. I mean, we got to start building up our Navy, financing our Army, start recruiting again, get image ads out there, make people want to serve. Don't go out there with this politically correct stuff and wonder about what white rage is. That's the stuff that turns people off that normally would serve and turns off families that usually have their kids serve. And we're very 
fortunate to have that. I've never seen. Uh, it seems like the Pentagon goes back to school on how to get forces, which is insane. Uh, but, Congressman, we're going to look at a, a war that is going to consist for now in the Gaza Strip, which is 25 miles long, 7.5 miles uh, wide, with 2 million people living in it. It's a tiny sliver of land with a small port. But that's where the terrorists are. Is there a way to fight this to win and not alienate people who want to vilify Israel if there are collateral damage and there are civilians caught in the line of fire? Well, there's going to be collateral damage. I mean, there's collateral damage in any war. It's why we should be we should be focusing so much of our efforts in deterring war because war, even in a limited fashion, is absolutely horrific. But I think the key thing for public figures like me or people that have a massive platform and influence like you is to push back on, on any suggestion of moral equivalence between the Israeli military and its efforts to defend itself and systematically dismantle Hamas and the barbaric terrorist attacks that we're seeing from this Salafi jihadist group. Because though there may be collateral damage, the Israeli military isn't going to go rape women and cut the heads off babies. These are two fundamentally different things. And some of the disgusting apologies that we're seeing for Hamas uh, from, from, from tenured professors at American universities that, that receive generous taxpayer subsidies are absolutely disgusting. Some of what we're seeing from the American left uh, to blame Israel is, is absolutely disgusting. So I just think we have to push back against that narrative. Um, I, I worry that it's going to gain some momentum, but all the more reason why we need to remind people constantly that Hamas launched a terrorist attack against Israel. Israel has a right to defend itself. And we, as mm. Israel's closest ally, need to back our closest ally in the Middle East to the hilt. Uh, here's what Congressman Michael McCall said, Chairman of Foreign Relations. He told us yesterday, Cut 21. Uh, when the Egyptians did uh, warn uh, Israeli officials, uh, obviously uh, uh, there wasn't enough done to stop it. Um, this concerns me, not just with respect to Hamas, but what, what about our intelligence on Hezbollah? What about our intelligence on Iran? They say there's no clear link to Iran. I, I, I disagree with that. The Iran gives them $100 million a year. And we know that a lot of the weapons systems they get come straight out of Iran. Uh, so the idea that Iran's not complicit or doesn't have any, any fingerprints on this is absolutely laughable. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think Congressman McCall nailed it. Uh, and I, I think it seems as though the administration is going to great lengths to push back on the idea that Iran was involved in this, which... You know, again, regardless of whether you think they gave the specific operational or tactical green light for this operation, Iran is Hamas's primary patron. And so there is Hamas doesn't develop the military capability to do something like this yes. without Iran's support. So, I, again, I just think the administration, notwithstanding the events that we're seeing in the Middle East, is still clinging on to this, this attempt to revive the Iran nuclear deal. They simply cannot let go of it, and that explains a lot of the rhetoric we're seeing from the administration trying to minimize the idea that mm -hmm. Iran was involved. So you guys have the majority in the House for now, about five seats, depending on what you guys are going to do with Congressman Santos, who's just yeah. a nightmare. Uh, so you guys go behind closed doors, and you decide uh, the person who got more votes was Steve Scalise over Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan endorses Steve Scalise. Kevin McCarthy says, don't nominate me. 
go with whoever gets the most votes, and it's Steve Scalise. But yet, this is what we heard. Cut 26. Would you vote for Steve Scalise? I would not. I plan on voting for Jim Jordan. I'm not supporting Steve Scalise. I'll be voting for Jim Jordan. It's not over. I'm still throwing my support behind Jim Jordan for Speaker. I'm concerned he doesn't have the votes to get to 218, and so we should probably resolve that before we go to the floor. Main concerns are the way this place is run. And you think Scalise will continue that? I think that there's a problem with leadership in our conference. And then Bobert says, I want Chip Roy. Chip Roy says, I'm a hard no. What's going on? You can't lose as many votes. What's going on, I know. Mike? Well, you said we have the majority, but do we? I mean, if we can't come together on something this simple, like do we have the majority in any functional sense? I don't get it. I mean, I don't know if people didn't play enough team sports growing up. Uh, I think everyone should be forced to do that because with a narrow majority, our only strength is if we stay united. Now, that doesn't ha- mean everyone has to agree on anything. You don't need to agree with the speaker on every policy issue, but you, we need a speaker just to manage what comes to the floor. And so I, I just, I fundamentally uh, don't get it. Uh, listen, I, I've, I've been frustrated with the process in Congress. I understand that. I think there's steps that can take in, in what remains of this Congress to fix it. But, you know, we got to unite behind the person that got the most votes in secret, or we're just going to be in total chaos and we're going to hand the Democrats a massive political gift. Like the American people are crying out for sanity right now. They're, they're crying out for basic competence in light of the overreach we've seen from the Biden administration, the absence to enforce a border, the crazy Green New Deal policies, the deterioration of our military position around the world. All we got to do is not be crazy. That is really what it boils down to, and we will win elections. And I fear we're about to screw that up if this continues. Right. So are you going to, when you get behind closed doors, could Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy do more to say, don't vote for me? I, I, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, may, maybe Jim needs to go individually to all these holdouts and say back to Lee. Uh, otherwise, we're going to have to start exploring more creative options. Um, you know, maybe Jim being a state champion wrestler can wrestle for it. I don't know. <laughs> Let's start, we're going to have to start experimenting at this point. It's getting, getting crazy. Was it going to be a vote today? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we're having a member meeting at noon that was just announced. So everyone needs to get behind closed doors and yell at each other again. Uh, and maybe that will uh, resolve things and we can go expeditiously to, expeditiously to the floor and resolve this whole darn thing. You know, Keem Jeffries would take it if you want to nominate him. Well, OK. I mean, talk about an own goal. Uh, we're we're going ha- to we're going to just going to gift this thing uh, to the Democrats uh, right now. I'm sure I'm sure he would love that, uh, which is all the more reason why we need to unite. We need to get behind a speaker candidate. Again, you're not going to agree with the person 100 percent, but we need a speaker to move forward. All right. Uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher, there's a whole lot going on in the world and in Congress. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your views and insight. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, listen, your turn. one 408 You've been watching the coverage. You've been hearing the opinions. Uh, you don't have to agree with me. Just get on board or you can go to BrianKillMe.com, click on comments. Senator Joni Ernst coming up after that, and we'll give you some excerpts and previews of the interview that's coming your way from President Donald Trump. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show i like jim i think jim's great i like them both by the way but i think jim is great tremendous fighter uh, tough guy really liked a lot but you know don't forget they have a vote now brian they have to vote and i think it's going to be very hard maybe in either case for somebody to get you know if you lose four votes you can't get it now I think Steve will lose far more than four, and I think probably Jim will too. And then you end up in one of these crazy stalemates. It's uh, it's a very interesting situation. And, you know, President Trump, who I talked to exclusively uh, yesterday, that we wanted to go straight through, so we're going to be able to put this on a podcast, the whole interview, and the last half hour of the Thursday edition of the show, this uh, today's edition of the show. But that was his insight. He said, you know, while – we were on doing this interview yesterday. Steve Scalise emerged as the, the top vote getter. And it's the president who said, listen, by, by my numbers, I don't think he's going to have the votes. And he's not. How insane is that, that the Republicans will shoot themselves in a the foot again like this? Why, why is it so hard for them just to say, yeah, you know, this was my person. But now that uh, what's better for everybody is the person who's getting the most votes, but not enough, is Steve Scalise. I'm going to go with that. If you want him to get the appropriation bills done, you guys got to actually do the work. So to do the work, you got to have a speaker. Oh, we'll leave Patrick McHenry there. Just leave him there and just make him the real speaker and let him go. Because no one really needs to know the speaker, but his, that body needs a speaker. That's the issue. Here's what Newt Gingrich say, uh, what he said about Scalise. Cut 31. Somebody has to get 217 votes and the House has to get its act together under our Constitution because the world's dangerous and people like Hamas are not hanging around waiting for the House Republicans. So I hope in the next 24 hours they'll find a way to get to 217. And I hope that by tomorrow afternoon we'll have Speaker Steve Calise. He won a straight-up fight. It was a fair fight uh, with a very good member, Jim Jordan. Uh, and I think that We'll see what actually happens. So Dino writes me and says, you have a little over a year for a Speaker of the House until a new one comes in in January 24. Get Scalise in there to fill in the positions and manage the process. That's all you have to do. We look foolish to the rest of the world. No kidding, Dino. I've been saying that from day one. And Matt Gates is primarily responsible. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're surging additional military assistance to the Israeli Defense Force, including ammunition, interceptors to replenish the Iron Dome, and we've moved the U.S. carrier fleet 
to the Eastern Mediterranean and are sending more fighter jets there in that region. And made it clear, made it clear to the Iranians, be careful. Uh, listen, it's a, it's an improvement. Uh, don't and be careful. And I know you don't want to start a world war, but I wouldn't mind more directly. Listen, Hamas would not exist without you. Hezbollah would not be there since 1981 without you. Uh, we know exactly your objective is the same as theirs. We know that the weaponry, the machinery, the weapon systems, the manufacturing has been transferred from you. And we also noticed how you celebrated the Saturday attacks. Watch yourself. It's a start. But I would love to see a change in policy. Senator Joni Ernst served this country in uniform. Now she's on the Senate Armed Services Committee, Small Business Entrepreneurship. Uh, she is just fresh off of Codell and right through the Middle East where she led a bipartisan group. Uh, she joins us now. Senator Ernst, uh, I guess you weren't expecting this when you left. I was not, Brian. Uh, this congressional delegation was to travel through the Middle East, um, mainly Saudi Arabia and Israel, to talk further peace treaty between the two nations. We left uh, the, the meeting with uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia very optimistic and uh, woke up the next morning and learned of these attacks against Israel from Hamas. So very, very tragic ending to our congressional delegation. We were able to go in and meet with leaders in Israel. Um, it took a little bit of doing, but we were able to get there. And I was very proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with our friend and ally Israel. So the whole thing is there was such optimism as Brett Baer wanted to talk to MBS and then Netanyahu saw the interviews and come over. I, I'd like to work this out. It looked like uh, they were going to be moving forward with this. And this is what President Trump told me yesterday. Of course, he wanted... 45th president wants to be the 47th. Cut eight. And you can you can kiss that deal goodbye with Israel and, and Saudi Arabia. You can kiss that deal goodbye. That's going to be gone now for a long time. We would have had that. We would have had Saudi Arabia signed a long time ago. They would have been signed up along with the other countries that already signed the Abraham Accords. But you can kiss that deal goodbye. They can't negotiate now. They, it would be so, impossible under the circumstances so to make I, a deal with Israel and Saudi Arabia if, right now. If I, so and what he what I did find out is MBS did talk to his counterpart over in uh, Iran. They did speak yesterday. What was your thoughts when you left? And do you think President Trump is right? I, I don't think President Trump is right, because I do think that this is is more than uh, the Palestinian people. This is about Hamas. Now, Saudi Arabia has said that they back the people of Palestine, but that's not the issue. Hamas is the issue. It is a terrorist organization. I don't know of any civilized nation that would stand behind this ISIS-like terroristic group they are using the Palestinian people as a shield. Maybe. And what we know, but, Senator, don't you yeah. know that they are the more popular than the Palestinian Authority? The last election they had, they won. And now people, if they put it up again, nobody thinks they wouldn't win. So they have the hearts oh. and minds of most of the Palestinian Palestinians in the region, don't you think? 
Well, hey, I I am not going to dispute um, that uh, the Palestinian authorities, the the leadership there with President Abbas is very, very weak. And I think that's what the Palestinian people see, is that he is an extremely weak leader. Um, They, of course, are are terrorized uh, by Hamas in that region. So I I think we have to understand that this is going to be extremely complicated, but— I still think that there is an avenue for Saudi Arabia and Israel to move forward. Both are extremely strong countries. Um, So all this aside, it is horrible. It's going to last for a while. We know and understand that. But we can't give up on peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. So what do you want to hear from and do with with Iran in this situation? Nobody wants a world war. But how do we ever have a semblance of uh, safety and security in the region and at home while this regime stays in power? What do we do? Oh, my. Brian, number one, freeze the Iranian access to Biden's $6 billion. We can't allow the Iranians to continue receiving funds, um, whether it's their own frozen assets. They need to stay frozen. And then, of course, the Iranians are selling oil like crazy. And even though we have sanctions on Iranian oil, this administration has all but drug its feet on intercepting Iranian tankers. We have got to enforce those sanctions, bottom line, and we can't allow them to cow our partners and friends around the region. So we have to have very clear leadership on this issue. And of course, with President Biden in the White House, we don't get that. None of this would have happened if we had strong American leadership at the helm. That's simply not coming uh, with Joe Biden. It isn't. And the whole world's aflame because of it. So have you done anything or have heard of anything about upgrading our weapons manufacturing to replenish our stocks, to arm Ukraine, to to keep Israel's arms flowing, which, by the way, they pay for? Yes, absolutely. And this is an effort that we have been focusing on in the Senate Armed Services Committee and in the House Armed Services Committee. Um, And I I am very familiar with this because right in Iowa, we have the Iowa Army Ammunition Plant, and they manufacture the 155 howitzer rounds. Um, Much of that has gone to Ukraine, but uh, we have already begun ramping up uh, production, not only in Iowa, but many other states as well. So we have suffered from a weak industrial, a defense industrial base for decades now. We have to get moving on that and make sure that the defense industrial base is strong and that we have the supply chains to ensure that not only are we backfilling our needs for our security here at the homeland, but that we're able to protect our interests abroad as well. Right. That would be, uh, I mean, it would be beneficial. This is a contract. We're not asking for a favor. We're looking to pay people to make weapons. Uh, I mean, McDonnell Douglas, I don't know who, who's going to need it, but it doesn't seem like we have enough weapons manufacturers. The idea during the Clinton years of consolidating did not work out. Am I correct? Right. You are correct. Um, so we have to have uh, broad bandwidth here to make sure that we are producing our own needs and then able to, again, to your point, sell to our allied partners around the world. Um, Many of these countries, Israel included, Israel pays 
for um, Iron Dome. We do support with production and otherwise, but many of these countries actually purchase the weapon systems that we send to them. Um, so we have to ramp it up here in the United States. It's good old American jobs, and it does provide peace and stability around the world. So, Senator, how, how detri- detrimental is it that there's such chaos in the House right now? Well, it is detrimental, and we visited many countries through the Middle East. I started in UAE and moved on to Saudi Arabia, where I was joined by the rest of the delegation. So Saudi Arabia, um, we went to Bahrain, we were in Jordan, and on to Israel. And every stop we made, the leaders there were asking us about the situation in the House and whether that would be resolved. No, they pay attention to this. Um, they, They know our system intimately. And so when we don't have strong leadership here in the United States, we see other countries questioning our ability to lead. They already look at the president and see a very weak president, but now they look at the House as well and want to know that we can get through this situation and be able to function as a United States federal government. I see that you met with Netanyahu on your trip. Uh, There was a sense that he was distracted. Uh, There was also a sense, and Jake Sullivan said it, that peace in the Middle East was what was on the agenda. And there was no looming attack. Um, Here's what President Trump said about that. Cut seven. We have to protect Israel. They've been, you know, a part, really a part of this country, the fabric of what we stand for. We have to protect Israel. There's no choice. And do we have to do it? Uh, He has been hurt very badly because of what's happened here. He was not prepared. He was not prepared, and Israel was not prepared. And under Trump, they wouldn't have had to be prepared. Look at what we did for them. And we did that alone. We didn't do that with Israel. And you know what I'm talking about. We did that totally alone, not with Israel. And uh, But they were not prepared. So— I, what was your take when you sat one-on-one with them? Did you get a sense that they they didn't have their, their shields up? Well, I have a sense that they were very, very disappointed that that they had missed the information maybe that would have helped prevent uh, this attack by Hamas. Um, you could tell that that weighed very heavy on them um, too often. And, and I don't know the full situation. I know that they are investigating it. But if they were looking to technology, um, we know that Hamas doesn't always use a lot of high-level technology, and that through some of these lower-level, just um, regular old conventional warfare, they were able to uh, sneak this attack on the Israelis. Um, but you could see that that weighed very heavy on his mind. Um, they have been able to form uh, an emergency coalition government. I think that's extremely important. It's bringing everyone together in a unified front to combat combat Hamas and push back on Iranian threat uh, coming from other Iranian terrorist proxies. Um, But you could tell that the sadness uh, that was in the room as he met with our our delegation. We were also in the room with Ron Dermer, his um, his advisor, and it it was um, very emotional. But also you could tell they were very resolute 
um, it was uh, a sense of we're not going to let them continue to kill our population. And we all know Hamas's stated goal is to kill Israelis, kill Jewish people, annihilate the Jewish nation of Israel. And you can tell that mm-hmm. this went to their very core and they are ready to fight. Uh, now, Michael McCall says the Egyptian did warn the Israelis. Did you get any indication of that? I don't know where his source was, but he's chairman of foreign relations in the House. He doesn't usually just say things off the cuff. Well, I nothing was uh, raised to that issue, so I don't know where that information came from. Certainly, if there had been a call from the Egyptians to the Israelis, there would be some sort of transcript of that or, you know, other people in the room that could verify that. Um, I haven't heard of any of that yet. Um, we have to be very careful because I'm sure um, all, all of these uh, Hamas supporters or countries that might be aligned with Hamas will be spreading information or disinformation. Uh, So we're going to have to wade through this very carefully. But for now, I think it's really important that we stress to Israel that we as the United States of America stand firmly Mm. with them and against the terrorism and the the horrible, horrible stories that we heard um, from the Americans that that we met with in Israel, um, from the Israeli leadership, that we are standing firmly against those acts of terrorism against women and children and the elderly. Just atrocious. Now, listen, uh, you just explained the reality of the situation, but the Secretary of State is going from meeting with Netanyahu right now uh, to meeting with the President Herzog, and tomorrow or today, I'm not sure, uh, he's going to meet with the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, I know he wants to prevent the West Bank from militarizing and getting involved in this, but do you agree with the move to decision? Well, I I think that we have to keep lines of communication open with everyone. I, I can appreciate that, but I hope the message is very firm to President Abbas that we do not stand for this. And if if any more of these different factions or groups engage, that the Israelis will also uh, take them out. Um, so, again, Prime Maybe we Minister should stop giving Netanyahu them millions. Right. But oh, the thing is, Senator I'm Ernst, with you. but the thing is, we got to stop just giving them money. We just get the president of the United States said, can Trump didn't do it. I'm going to do it the opposite day. And he gave them 70 million dollars annually since he took office. And we don't yeah. think for a second that, that that's going to make their the people, Palestinians lives better. No, absolutely not. Um, you see where the leadership is. They will take that money. It's just like, you know, you're you're living in fantasy land. If you think the six billion dollars that of uh, those unfrozen assets going to Iran, if you think that's only going to be used for medical and humanitarian aids, we can all laugh at that. I think the American people is smarter than leadership here to think that that Iran and all of its proxy organizations right. actually use any American dollars to benefit their people. They use it to kill us, to kill Israelis, to kill other allies mm. around the world. Senator Ernst, uh, thanks for doing what you did. Go over the Middle East, let it go down. You know it's important. Also, you know it's important to fund uh, Ukraine uh, and in yeah. a smart way, and, and with the way that gets audits. And we can explain a the objective, but we still need to do it, don't we? Yes, a smart way. You're spot on, Brian. We must do it for our own national security interests, but we do it in a smart way where we know exactly where those dollars are going. Senator Ernst, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you, Brian. All right, when we get back, we'll go from Connecticut to Georgia up to upstate New York. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We take calls next. Don't move. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at briankilmeadeshow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, Teddy and Booker T is coming out November 7th. I think it's a book you guys are going to like. But more importantly, uh, for now, I got to tell you, I'm going to be in Red Bank, New Jersey on November 9th. I'll be able to talk about history, patriotic, motivational, inspirational. It's a lot of fun. So I hope to see everyone in in person that's in the New Jersey area. Then Huntsville, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama, Pittsburgh, Holland, Michigan, Skokie, Illinois, and Jolette, Illinois, over in January, the last two dates. So go check it out at BrianKillMe.com. Hope to see you there. Uh, Ezra in Atlanta. Hey, Ezra. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Good. What's so, on your mind? A couple of comments. I mean, one thing we've got to credit the Democrats with is, is Nancy Pelosi's ability to get them 100% to always vote for their team. True. Um, which is what you know the Republicans have to do, even if they lose in say round one in the finals. They've got to do that. They can't even and pick their roster. Mar- well, yeah, and they're great at marketing. So nonsense like Black Lives Matter, they still all go for it. But my my real uh, concern today is why should Israel trust us as a ally for more than a moment after the things we've done in Afghanistan and that debacle? I mean, we're there when it's convenient. We're there when public sentiment's there. But then it turns around and we're gone. So if I'm Israel, I'm going to fight this thing by myself and uh, only count on myself. Steve, thanks so much. Great points, Ezra. Steve, WLAD. Thank you for your service to this country. Uh, While I was listening to you, you were talking to Newt Newt Gingrich. I think he'd be an excellent option if the the House can't get together. I understand both sides, but I think uh, Matt Gates and the Republicans are missing an opportunity to come up north in these Democratic cities. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Not a, I don't want to compromise candidate. From the Fox News radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We've come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Where tomorrow, I understand the NYPD has been told, I don't care who you are, put your uniform on. If you're a member of this uh, police force, we need you working. Why? Because Hamas has called for a, a global demonstration in support of the heinous acts they perpetrated on Israel. And the fight is beginning. And, and going through, right now, it's an aerial attack, whether it's missiles, whether it's drones, whether it's uh, of uh, F-16s. They're blowing up various locations, targeted locations in Gaza, and we'll discuss that. Mark Thiessen standing by, General Keith Kellogg as well. Uh, so let's get to Mark. Mark, you're right now, as things are unfolding, we saw our Secretary of State this morning show up uh, and meet the Prime Minister, who seemed very grateful to see him, very strong words from the Secretary of State talking about how he's Jewish, his father was Jewish, his stepfather was yeah. Jewish, and how much Israel means to him. I thought it came from the heart almost by, I think it catch Netanyahu by almost by surprise, and then said, you know, we're going to stand with you. What do you like and what worries you about what you've heard so far from the president and his uh, leadership team? 
Oh, I thought his Blinken statement was very good. Uh, I was I particularly like he said he said I'm going to paraphrase here that like Israel is a strong country that can defend itself, but as long as America exists, you won't have to um, do it by yourself. Uh, I think that's a great message to be sending. Um, on the other hand, I what I, what I, what worries me and what concerns me is the failure of this administration to hold Iran accountable uh, for what's happened. Look, Hamas didn't do this alone. I don't, and it doesn't matter whether or not we can have intelligence showing a direct policy coordination. Of the Wall Street Journal seems to have documented it from Hamas and Hezbollah officials that they planned and uh, planned and greenlighted the operation. But Hamas is a proxy of Iran. It's funded by Iran. It's trained by Iran. It's armed by Iran. Yeah, all, and and this, is, this is an Iranian proxy attack on, on Israel. That took the lives of now 25 Americans, and we've got you know, dozens of Americans held hostage by Hamas. Where was the president's statement saying to the Iranians, if you touch a single hair on the head of an American hostage— if one, of them, if one of them dies, if one of them is injured, if one of them gets a scratch on their knee, we will strike Iran. That's the message he should be sending. That's the message that Donald Trump sent. When Donald Trump was president, he drew a red line that said he sent Mike Pompeo to, to Baghdad, and he, through the Iraqi government, sent a message to the Iranian leadership. Two things. This was the Trump doctrine, if you want to call it that, that we, if, 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 if Iran is responsible for or its militias or its proxies kill a single American, we will, hold, we will strike Iran and we will not distinguish between Iran and its terrorist proxies. It's basically a version of the Bush doctrine. If you, if you, uh, if you support the terrorists or fund the terrorists, you're a terrorist and you're an enemy of the United States of America. And Iran danced around that, that red line for, for a long time. They, they struck you know, European oil tankers. They shot down an un, unmanned American drone but didn't strike down a manned plane that was flying near it. They, 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 and then they made a mistake. Khatib Hezbollah, their, their, their militia in, in Iran, struck an American military base killed an American contractor, injured four American service members, and Trump ordered them to us to take out Khatib Hezbollah. Then they, and then they set the U.S. embassy on fire, and he killed Qasem Soleimani. And he told the Iranians that if you retaliate, we will strike Iran directly. He killed, he killed Soleimani when he was arriving in Baghdad. Where is why? Why is Biden not reiterating that? He's that afraid today. He's afraid exactly. he's not direct, and he still has. My opinion, he still believes he can rectify some type of relationship with Iran. He should come out and say, at very least, this is fractured. I tried. I paid a huge political price, and I'm yes. going to learn from it. But he's not so doing that. We should be striking Iran now because they killed 25 Americans. <laughs> we should be holding them responsible. Soleimani's Soleimani's successor should be dead. OK, they cross the because that isn't a Trump red line. That's an American red line set by the American president. Right. And by the way, you know, Donald Trump was the one who, who enforced Obama's red line on chemical weapons in Syria. You know, the red lines that are established by one administration don't disappear or expire once the president leaves unless unless explicitly done so. So we should already be holding them responsible. Fine. Let's move forward. Let's, let's it, where is the warning to the Iranians that we will hold you responsible. You are responsible for the lives of every single American that's being held by Hamas right now. You are, and if, and if one of them is harm comes to any of them, you will pay the price. The strike, the strike will be against you. And 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 the reason is exactly that because he because they, the Iranians believe I think you hit the nail on the head that he's more afraid of escalation than they are. 
It's, it, it's, it put aside the folly of his policy. He's afraid of getting into a war with Iran more than Iran is afraid of getting into a war with the United States. And why, are they, why do they think he's afraid of escalation? I'll tell you why. Because he's been slow rolling aid in Ukraine and constantly saying how he's afraid of escalation with Russia. So he literally is saying, I'm afraid of escalation. So they, the Iranians look at, at, at the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the slow rolling of, uh, of aid to Ukraine, the, the fear of, of getting into a, into a war with Russia, and they say, he's not going to do anything about this. He's not going to hold us responsible. We can do what the hell we want. So, uh, you know, I was talking this to this is connected. I, I was talking to attorney, uh, with Colonel now retired Colonel Douglas, who was asked to not only work the evacuation. Um, uh, he was in Qatar, staged in Qatar. Uh, he was also asked to do an evaluation after action report on what went wrong at Abbey Gate. So he said that it is directly related. The way we left Afghanistan, put Taliban in charge, allowed $4 billion of equipment to stay there, sent the message, it's go time in the region. It's all connected. Is that too much of a leap for Mark Thiessen? Not at all. It's 100%. So why did Putin invade uh, Ukraine? Because of our withdrawal from Afghanistan, he perceived weakness, and weakness is provocative. He thought he could get away with it. He thought that we wouldn't impose any costs on it. And then why has Iran, uh, you know, now uh, through its proxy attacked Israel? Because of weakness. Because they look at at the at the weak support. And I got to I got to throw in there uh, the the weakening support on the right and people undermining it. Uh, you know, Repo- Republicans on Capitol Hill who who are you know questioning our support for uh, for Ukraine. You know, they're contributing to this too. This isn't all isn't all Biden. Um, you know, but they're looking at American weakness in in, in Ukraine. And thinking that like our country doesn't have any any staying power, any will, any ability to to execute a policy, and yeah, but we'll get mad for a little while. But eventually, uh, you know, the world's going to turn around against Israel as soon as the Palestinian civilians uh, start dying, and uh, and then America will lose its uh, lose its patience and sort of back down. And right. I can't say that they're wrong. So I talked to Trump yesterday. It's going to air in its entirety. It's going to be a podcast in a little while. It's going to air in its entirety in the last hour of today's show. But here's what he said to kind of build on your point, unwittingly, I should add. Cut 10. It would have never happened. Zero chance. Just like Ukraine would have never happened with Russia. This would have never happened. We had Iran in a very weakened state. Uh, We were uh, sanctioning everybody and fighting with everybody. You can't do business. And China wasn't buying oil. Nobody was buying oil. And Iran was a very poor country at that point. And now they're a very rich country because of Biden, because for the last three years, uh, they've made a fortune. And the $6 billion is a lot, but it's peanuts compared to the $100 billion a year they make on oil. And they're very rich. They were a very poor country, and now they're a very rich country. And they're the ones leading this whole situation. And uh, you have a big problem on your hands, and Israel has a problem like they never envisioned. This could have never happened under the Trump administration. And I have to say, this is one time I, I – this is – well, it's not the only time. But he, he kind of agrees – you kind of agree with him, and he agrees with you. 100 percent. 100 percent. I talked to him yesterday, too. <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he's, he's right. 
This would have never happened under uh, Ukraine. Wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. Uh, the Afghan withdrawal would have happened uh, happened differently if it did. And I think we he we, he could have been convinced to leave. He would have been convinced to leave a uh, a residual force, a small residual force there, which Biden refused to do. And the Taliban would have never taken over. I mean, none of these things would have happened. And he and he's right on the on the merits too. Uh, I just had Elliot Abrams on my podcast. What the hell is going on? Which Dana very nicely uh, promoted on on America's Newsroom. I know you. I noticed you never do. Um, but <laughs> but uh, Elliot Abrams pointed out that uh, when 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 Trump left office, Iran had four billion dollars in cash reserves, and today they have forty billion. Yeah, so, that. And I, I mean, if you if you want an encapsulation of the problem, right there, mm-hmm. they they stopped enforcement of the uh, of the oil sanctions. You know, they haven't lifted the oil sanctions. They stopped just stop enforcing them. And oh, by the way, Jack Lew. The the uh, the the guy who's supposed to be the U.S. ambassador to uh, to Israel, who the Democrats are now trying to expedite through the through the Senate, he actually during the Obama administration, when he was Treasury Secretary, I wrote a column on this in the Washington Post in 2018, based on a report from the uh, Senate uh, uh, Committee on Investigations. Uh, he actually facilitated, helped Iran avoid sanctions enforcement, and lied to the Senate about it. And we're going to confirm him as ambassador to Israel, a guy who helped the Iranians avoid the, the sanctions during the Obama administration, helped well, tried to try to try to strong arm U.S. banks into uh, making cash transactions for the Iranian regime. That's insane. I, mean, I did not realize yeah. that. Thank you for your research. The other thing would be, what about Rob Malley? Uh, what, what about that guy? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, he gets suspended, double dealing with uh, back channeling uh, Iran information. We never got to the bottom of the former Secretary of State possibly undermining Donald Trump, meeting with Iranian officials, essentially saying we're going to impeach him or get rid of him. Just hang in there. No, it's exactly right. I mean, all the, the, the all the worst people. Why why is this happening now? Because all the worst people who executed the disastrous Obama policies that Trump reversed. Uh, are 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 in charge of our policies now, and you know and the, the the Iranian regime. One of the reasons why you didn't have any of these kinds of attacks under Trump, it's not because Iran was changed changed its you know its desires or its or its philosophy. It's because they didn't have the money. I mean, even and, and don't take my word. The New York Times, the Washington Post published major stories in which they talked about how the 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 maximum pressure sanctions were so draining Iran's resources that they couldn't pay the salaries of Hezbollah fighters. They couldn't pay their proxies. And as soon as uh, you know, when when Trump came into office, they were flooded with cash. I mean, for you know, we talk about the six billion dollar ransom. Obama sent them pallets of cash and secret flights. We only got we only got that off Arab TV. Remember Al Arabia yeah. or it might be Al Jazeera. We go. Well, excuse why me. Democrat, why why, why do is... Democrats give them cash? Why why would you give ter- terrorists cash? What do you think terrorists will do with cash? They'll kill people. They carry out terrorist attacks. It's like it's 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 such it's such a simple philosophy. You squeeze the hell out of them. This regime is never going to change its behavior unless it's forced to. You're not going to be able to bring them into the community of civilized nations. You're not going to be able to get them to behave. You have to contain them. You have to squeeze them. You have to deny them resources. And by the way, we should be supporting the Iranian people and trying to overthrow the mullahs. Every time that the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, the Iranian people rise up, we hold them at arm's length. Obama wouldn't start, you know, when they had the Green Revolution. Uh, there, Obama wouldn't support them when the, when the Iranian people were marching in the streets over over the hijabs, uh, you know, being, uh, being yep. you know, the woman girl being killed. The, Obama, the Biden administration didn't support them. Why do we not support the Iranian people in their aspirations? They don't hate us. They refused to walk over the Israeli and American flags the other day. 
that they had paid that the Iranian that the Iranian people are great. It's their leaders who suck. And, and by the way, I did not realize how 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 deep the hatred was between Iran and Saudi Arabia until that leak of the internal documents under Secretary of State Hillary Clinton uh, by uh, and we put him in jail and he had a sex change. Who am I talking about? Do you remember the uh, Chelsea Manning? Oh, yeah, Chelsea Manning. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. Manning leaks all this stuff, and I'm seeing how much these guys hate each other by their interactions with our State Department. And that's why, by the way, they didn't like that all getting out. But when you saw that rivalry, as we clamped down on Saudi uh, on Iran, it produced the Abraham Accords. They saw exactly. we were for real. We gave, exactly. we gave the Saudis and missile Soleimani. defense. Yes. And, and the Soleimani strike. It didn't start a war. It, it led to peace. Yes. Because the Arabs believed that Israel was strong, the United States was strong, that Iran was weakened and cornered, and so they felt comfortable to pursue peace. And just so you know, you can be optimistic because America like this is a choice. We could easily choose to be different. It's not as if we have to get external help. We got our own resources, our own oil, our own gas, our own uh, our own natural gas. Is, uh, we got everything we need. We're, we are, our... Uh, um, uh, our country can feed our breadbasket can feed the entire world, so we got it. We just have to choose to use it, and we just need a new administration. We have to lead. We have to lead on the world stage. It's part of you know. We can secure our border and lead the world and deter the world's tyrant. I mean, think about this, Brian. We Russia just started a war in Europe. Iran just started a war in the Middle East. China is on the verge of starting a war in the Pacific. This is a dangerous friggin' world we're in right now. And people who think that we can just hide behind our borders and 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 not lead on the world stage and not deter these people. We, if you think there's a that, that war breaks out on three continents and we're not going to get dragged into it in some way. Uh, you're 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 fooling yourself. We have to stop these wars from happening while we can we have to deter them while we can. There's now. a window. Yep. All right, Mark, you got a lot to write about. Mark Thiessen, Uh You could get your column on the Washington Post. Can you get it also on Fox News dot com? No, you cannot. But you can see me on Fox News on a regular basis. Right. But what was your uh, did you not like the uh, the way you were you were characterized on on Fox News Digital? <laughs> Which is, I think I think FoxNews.com identified me as the perpetrator of the attack <laughs> by mistake. Right. Biden won't Biden won't name the perpetrator of the attack. Mark Thiessen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little awkward. Thanks, Mark. Right. Appreciate There's it. Some FBI agents knocking on the door. I'll see you later. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, you're not my Taibi. It doesn't matter. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back. I, I got like I just I just pulled out ten uh, ten different emails, so I'll get to that as well as your calls. Then General Keith Kellogg on the unfolding military events, and I just watched as I looked up another rocket go into Gaza. Smoke is already coming out. Brian Kilmeade Show, don't move. Coming to you on a need to know basis because man, do you need to know? It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Went a little long there, so let's go right to the phones. Hank in Virginia Beach. Hey, Hank. Hey, buddy. How you doing, bro? Good. What's on your mind? Well, the whole thing about this is really a, a nightmare, and uh, all I think they should do is drop like leaflets from the sky and get them to everybody in the Gaza Strip there. 
tell you, you got 72 hours to get out and then just drop daisy cutters and make it into a whole new landscape. And uh, you can call it the Gaza Strip Mall. Uh, Put up some, uh, you know, Kmarts, Walmarts. But, but, but Hank, here's the problem. Don't you think a lot of these terrorists are, are going to use that opportunity to sneak out? That's the problem with opening up the Egyptian uh, uh, exit. You think a lot of people are going to do it. I mean, they try to blend in with the population. And I, I know there's safe areas that they know they can go. So there is some communication but uh, we, they just don't have a choice. This can't be a pushback. This can't be a lesson. This is so horrific. Would you teach, would you teach Hitler a lesson or would you go to wipe out uh, the SS? You would wipe out the SS. This is more than just one guy, although it's this guy, Mohammed Deef. Uh, this guy's missing a leg, an eye, and an arm in a wheelchair. We just, they just killed his family yesterday, uh, Now his brother and his dad. Now they got to kill him. They got to wipe them out. Also, I'm not comfortable with these guys hanging out in in Cutter. What are they watching television, celebrating the attacks in Cutter? Why are they sitting there driving Rolls Royces, living in a luxury lifestyle, while everyone else is burning alive and kids are getting their heads chopped off? Thanks to them. I mean, we better get them out of Cutter, and we should demand they do that. A lot going on. Listen, when we come back, I'm going to have an interview with General Keith Kellogg. We're going to talk about the war. How exactly to fight this thing? From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I think it's very clear a land uh, or a ground invasion is imminent. I mean, Hamas's surprise incursion, though, I, frankly, in Israel, it's going to backfire. They had this one day of glory, but it's over. Israel is going to hammer them. And this time when they go into Gaza, it's going to be a lot different than before. Their forces are going to take their time. They're going to go block by block. This is a military operation that has to focus on restoring deterrence. They, they need to hammer Hamas. They need to punish them to a level that reestablishes deterrence. And frankly, it's going to get very bloody. And what he's trying to say is there's going to be civilian casualties. General Keith Kellogg joins us now, knows all about it. Uh, but I've got to forecast and tap into your great military mind to give us an idea of how it's going to look. General, welcome back. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. Well, you kind of hit it. It's gonna, not going to be very pretty. And I'd remind everybody, all of your listeners, that, you know, war is ugly. And, in fact, Robert E. Lee once said, glad war is so ugly, otherwise you'd become too fond of it. And when you look at a built-up area like you're seeing in, in Gaza right now, this is going to be street-to-street, house-to-house, building-to-building kind of fighting. And they're going to use artillery, and they're going to have to level buildings. And this is the worst nightmare of any military commander of going into a built-up area, especially one that's been rubbleized, as they, the term is used, to go in there and try to uh, root people out. But this is one of those that they're going to have to come up with a hard decision, and I'm sure they have of going to Gaza and basically destroy Hamas. Uh, and I think that needs to be done. But it's not going to be a pretty operation. They won't use a, you know, Brian, they won't use a lot of ground forces only because they know that the, the casualty levels, they don't want to, to increase them as well. You know, they're already talking uh, almost 1,000 casualties in the, in the, in the uh, uh, Israeli military. That's a lot of soldiers to lose in Israel. Um, and you don't want to squander those troops, so you use firepower to offset it. I think the biggest thing they want to not only just punish Hamas, but the big thing is trying to find out where those hostages are. There's well over 100 hostages that are that are out there, uh, and you know, right now we believe there's at least 17 Americans that are among them. 
And how do you find them? How do you get them? How do you bring them out? So it's a dual effort. But you can't focus in on the hostages as a primary role. It's actually a secondary role. It's eliminating Hamas and the leadership. So bottom line, it's going to be pretty. No. It's going to be ugly. Yeah. And I tell people, just seal yourself for some pretty horrific images that you're probably going to see in the next day, next week, and next month. So the, the Gaza Strip is 25 miles long. It's 7.5 miles wide. It's got about 2 million people living in it. And already we see constant bombing. I'm not sure if it's F-16s. I'm not sure if it's drones. I can't, I'm not sure if it's rockets, but they are targeted. How well do you think the Israelis know Gaza? I think they know them pretty well because, remember, they were there. But, you know, they haven't been there since 2005. People forget that um, Ariel Sharon, when he was prime minister, brought all of the Israelis out. In fact, he had, they actually had 21 settlements in Gaza. They had the Israelis, and he dismantled them, and some of them he forcibly. So they haven't been there except for, you know, basically probably their intelligence source agents and overhead. They haven't been inside to see what's really there. So they know it, yet they don't know it because it's become pretty modernized, but it's a, they understand the difficulty of operating there. That's really, but, but when you look at a, the population density, they don't know where all Hamas is. They, they're probably going from signals intelligence. They're probably going from electronic intelligence, a little bit on human intelligence. But, but I will tell you, Brian, I'm a little bit concerned about their intelligence gathering because they clearly didn't pick this fight up uh, with their intelligence sources. That means there's a gap there, and somebody's going to have to figure it out later, not today of why they didn't pick up this operation. Usually Israeli intelligence is very, very good. Uh, but it seemed like the your Arabs did something they normally don't do, which is go quiet. And they probably went back to rudimentary forms of communication. I mean, everything by print, everything by hand, everything by courier, no electronic uses. So they've learned the hard way. Um, they know it, but yet they don't know it because they haven't really been there for almost uh, 18 years. And they didn't want to go then, but they're going to go now. So do you want do you think it's to their best interest to pressure or work with Egypt to open up a corridor to let people go out uh, while they text civilians to say, look out, we're coming. They're also warning the terrorists who pride themselves on living in civilian areas and apartment buildings where these people don't really want to go to the board to get approved. So it's a tough situation, and I'm surprised how many people in this world are already protesting against Israel, like in Spain, in the U.K. I'm looking at Times Square here in New York City, Los Angeles. If you start seeing pictures of, of uh, casualties, of civilians, could you, lose the moral, uh, could you lose the moral authority? Not in my mind, not in your mind, General, but in the general uh, global population. You know, Brian, that's a really great question, and, and it's going to be a tough answer. The answer is you have to understand that that's the possibility or probability when you start seeing the casualties pictures come out, and you will, of children being killed or parents being killed or moms and brothers being killed. But you have to steel yourself to it, and also you have to have the messaging right. You know, in other words, when I be my messaging, you have to remind people on a constant basis both overseas and here as well in the United States, that the Israelis didn't start this fight. This was brought on by Hamas when they crossed the border of Israel. They fought their way into military bases in the kibbutzes, and they killed women and children, some of them horrifically. And this is on their watch, and they need to understand – people need to understand that. So the messaging is going to be critical. You have to constantly get that message out and push back on it. The the worst thing that can happen, Brian, is they show weakness. 
in messaging or anything else. Well, you know, we know it's tough. No, just have the hard message. This is going to be hard. There's going to be casualties. Accept it. It was caused by Hamas. The Palestinians can get rid of Hamas if they want to. They voted them in uh, when they took over from Fatah uh, over 20 years ago. Uh, this is on their watch, and they need to understand it. And right. opening up the corridor to the south, you tell the Egyptians, look, if we have to force them out, they're coming your way. The Egyptians right now are not very happy about that and are trying to keep it pretty well closed because a lot of these people are, are friends of the Muslim Brotherhood. And, you know, the Egyptians are not real happy with that group either. So it, it's a great question, Brian, and it's going to be very interesting to watch, especially in our media as well. Right is how well the messaging is, is done, and people have to understand and steal yourself. It's not going to be pretty at all. Last minute, uh, General, can I ask you uh, what role – we know Iran orchestrates this whole thing, the the depth of which will be revealed. I don't know if it's going to be revealed to us. So what do we do about it right now if I gave you the keys to the policy? Yeah, you know, it's, it's another great question You because know, I'm a big believer. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's probably a duck. And I and, and I and Iran's fingerprints are all over this. So they, they're saying, well, there's no direct. You watch that word, direct evidence of Iran being involved. Well, that means they haven't found the the email that says, oh, go ahead and attack. But of course, their fingers are all over this. Of course, they support Hamas. Of course, they support Hezbollah to the north. And that's one of the reasons why the Ford Battle Group is there, is to remind the Iranians do not do something really stupid. And this is one of those things we're going to have to not continue to try to normalize because this administration has. They're normalizing the relations with Iran. It's a huge mistake. You know, in the last administration, we didn't try to normalize it all. But they're doing that now, and that shows weakness. And the, and this, and the supreme authority, the supreme leader, reacts right. to strength and they react to weakness. And they need to throw strength, not weakness. And right now they're showing weakness. General uh, Kellogg, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Fox News contributor, a military strategist. Uh, when we come back, uh, a portion of my interview with President Donald Trump. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. My interview with President Trump went beyond a half hour, so I have an extra segment for you. And we got the whole thing on a podcast on BrianKilmeadeShow.com. So we spoke yesterday in the afternoon. We, not, uh, we still don't have a speaker wheel, though it looked like it was going to be Scalise, and it may still be, and I should think it should be. Uh, but we also talked about Black Lives Matter, the ridiculous post in favor of the Palestinians, and the Nikki Haley rivalry, which is propping up, and the nickname that she gave, that he gave her and her reaction. So here's a portion of my interview with the uh, uh, with President Trump, let's talk about your political race. Uh, it looks like I looked at the Emerson poll right before I came up. You're winning Pennsylvania by nine. On the real clear average, you're up in the in the primaries, forty nine sixteen over DeSantis in New Hampshire. You're up on Haley, forty five fourteen. In the general, you beat the president on average, real clear average, forty five forty four. But Nikki Haley beats Biden by four. Do you feel as though that the governor I Haley is now? I beat I'm, Biden by 11 in the Washington Post. Right. They just take the average of the last, let's say, a month. I know, but, I, but the most recent ones, the ABC Post, and that's a pretty good poll, I guess. It's certainly maybe the most expensive one of all. But under that one, I beat, I'm up 11. They thought nine. Then they said 10. Then it turned out to be 11. But, I'm up 11 in Washington Post, ABC. And uh, I know Nikki very well. I don't 
I don't think she's going to do the job that you have to do to run our country. So I have a, I had her on today or yesterday, and here's what she said about the nickname you just gave her. Yeah, I think it's lame. He's kind of lost his luster. I mean, it's a it's a lame nickname. It doesn't even Was it bird brain? Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. What does that even mean? Like he used to be cool at that. He's not cool at that anymore. But look, I told my team, let's celebrate because he sees the numbers we see. He knows exactly what we're doing. We're coming. We're coming. Get uh, ready. What do you think? Everyone, she's not coming anywhere. She's down to me by 40 and 50 points. I'm beating her in South Carolina, her state, by 30 points or more. I think 35 points. We're beating her in Iowa by almost 40 points. We're beating her in New Hampshire by 44 points. It's just words with these politicians. She's getting clobbered. Uh, The sanctimonious, you know, he was not very close. But when it first started, I was winning by a lot. But now I'm winning by legendary numbers. But as much as I'm beating him by, I'm beating her by more because she hasn't even caught him. It's just words with her. I know her very well. Bird brain means not very smart. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A lot of people didn't like the name to Sanctimonious. A lot of people didn't like the name Lion Ted. A lot of them didn't. I could give you plenty of names that didn't like Crooked Hillary. They didn't like that name, but we came out just fine. We did great in the election, and we did even better in the second election by almost 12 million votes. Right. Mr. President? uh, I think we're just fine. No, Nikki's getting clobbered. And you know what? She hasn't really gained anything. People like to say she gained. She was in the debate and she actually stayed the same. She didn't go up at all after the debate because people don't like her. She wasn't likable at all. Right. I know. Lastly, RFK was in yesterday. He made an independent. He's going to run as an independent. They say 45 percent approval with Republicans, 14 with Democrats. Will he hurt you more if you get the nomination more than uh, Joe Biden? Well, he's a Democrat. I think it's probably helpful of me. I think he's a Democrat. Look, he's a Kennedy. Number one, you put the name Kennedy, that's a Democrat. But if you look at his environmental stance, he closed up New York. He wouldn't let uh, pipelines go through to Massachusetts and various other places go through New York State. He was very, very tough. He was brutal on the environment. He actually destroyed Andrew Cuomo. He actually destroyed him because Andrew Cuomo wouldn't do a thing without his approval. And New York State got left behind. The environmental stuff that he approved is is just terrible. So, no, he's a Democrat. I think it's probably very good for us. I mean, who knows? I mean, Mm -hmm. you'll tell me. We'll we'll talk about it next November. I I know you got to run, but I have one more question. You're suing Christopher Steele. He was thrown out out of the Democrat Party. So, of course, they don't love him. But he was thrown out of the Democrat Party. But he's a Democrat. If you look at his environmental record, it's destructive to our country. Um, lastly, I hear you're suing Christopher Steele. Is that true? Oh, yeah, we're suing him and doing very well. We're in a London court and we're doing very well. He wrote a fake dossier. It was paid for by, I guess, Hillary Clinton. And I guess that you look at the, the Democrat National Committee, a real bunch of nice people. That whole thing was a fake and it's come out that way. And now we're suing them. And I hear we're making great progress. There was a story written about it yesterday. Uh, the, Hillary Clinton took a shot at your voters. He said they need to be too uh, deprogrammed. How do you how do you feel yeah, about that? How do you think they feel? about it? And that was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons she lost the last election. There's no nobody has to be deprogrammed. Look, we have MAGA. It means if you ask Joe Biden, if you ask, if you ask Biden, what do you think? What does it mean, MAGA? Do you know what it means? Define it. What does it mean? He wouldn't know it means make America great again. And we also have an America first policy. We put America before we put against other foreign nations, many of them are hostile to us. So 
we're all about making America great again. We're about putting America first. Our country is a nation in decline. We're a nation that's failing. We have millions and millions, far more than you report, not your fault, but far more than you report or has been. I believe the number is 15 million. I believe it's a bigger number than New York State. They came in illegally into our country right. from prisons, from jails, from mental institutions, from insane asylums, right. and many terrorists, and many of the same people that are trying to destroy Israel right, right now. They come in from the Middle East, and they're coming in, and they're young and they're male. They're coming in young and they're male. What is going on? Are we going to be attacked from inside also? Because I believe so. We have an open border where millions of people are flowing through. And I don't have to convince you because I, I know you think it's horrible. But what's happening right. to our country is unbelievable. Stay safe, Mr. President. It's, it's a very uh, tumultuous time right now in the world. Best of luck on the campaign trail. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. And, Brad, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, 45th president thinks I'm doing a good job. The only thing I have to do is convince Allison and Eric. So far, it's no-go uh, for both of them. And that the votes just came in, sadly. Uh, Fox News just did a poll. And the president, I'm not, I, I thank goodness they didn't have it because I would have said this to him. He's trailing by one to Biden, which is unbelievable. I mean, after the month that Joe Biden had, uh, I mean, he might get a slight bump from this every time there's, there's a world in turmoil. Uh, but Nikki Haley beats Biden by four in the poll. So that, again, Nikki Haley does better in the general than any other Republican. And I do think she's on the uh, on the surge. And the one thing is, I don't know anybody who thinks she's not smart. Do you know anybody who thinks she's not smart? I've but, never heard that. Whatever. And, you know, but with the Nikki Haley attacks the president, former president, by saying too many dramatics. It's the same thing with, with DeSantis. But I actually think... Republicans really don't know how to attack each other because they all have, they have so many of the same policies. So when you go, well, you was too nice to Anthony Fauci. Uh, DeSantis shut down for too long. I don't think Trump was too nice to Anthony Fauci. And I don't think DeSantis shut down for too long. Uh, you Oh, you were all about the vaccine. No, he wasn't all about the vaccine. The vaccine did save lives. But the people who were, who were six months old or 16 years old, didn't need it. Nobody was told about the risks about it. They were forced to, and they would do mandates on it. But Republicans all agree. But when you got to split the atom and make it a talking point or an ad, it just doesn't work. Because beyond those candidates are the voters. And the voters go, I don't see a difference between Trump, DeSantis, Haley, Scott. Big Vic Ramaswamy's got brand new issues, like takes on these issues it's very bright, but I, I don't 50% of it don't agree with. Meanwhile, the big issue, and, and you'll hear about it next hour, is what's going on in Israel. So we have a U.S. deploying the second aircraft carrier right towards Israel. It's a U.S. US Gerald Ford, the whole, uh, and the Eisenhower is heading over. But you know where they're leaving? The Pacific. They're leaving port. Got it. But they were going to be heading to the Pacific. We were moving all of our focus to the Pacific. And you know who's so happy that we're not? China. And you know who's thrilled, according to Bob Gates? I thought so, too, but he's the, he's the guy who's been doing it. He's 80 years old, functioning, functioning as Secretary of Defense, CIA Director, a National Security Advisor for all these years, Deputy Secretary of Defense. He believes Russia's celebrating because less attention on the war they're losing in Ukraine. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Find out how to see me in Red Bank, New Jersey. 
Huntsville, Alabama, and Montgomery, BrianKilme.com. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We understand we just got reports from Mike Tobin says the second phase of the operation in Gaza is about to begin. I imagine that is the invasion. Uh, they've been softening up the battlefield, blowing up everything, but in a targeted fashion, doing great damage, it seems, but they have a lot, a lot to they got 2 million people in front of them, 22 miles, uh, and they say it's the size of New York City, only denser. Uh, it might be more impoverished. Clearly it is. But this is something the Israelis never wanted to do, but now they have no choice, and they're going for a total annihilation of Hamas. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by President Donald Trump at the bottom of the hour, and then we'll have Ambassador Dennis Ross standing by. Uh, William Davidson, distinguished fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. He's also probably the most prominent and experienced Middle East expert in America. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Would you vote for Steve Scalise? I would not. I plan on voting for Jim Jordan. I'm not supporting Steve Scalise. I'll be voting for Jim Jordan. It's not over. I'm still throwing my support behind Jim Jordan for Speaker. I'm concerned he doesn't have the votes to get to 218. Political suicide. Republicans are doing it. House is in turmoil. Scalise has got the most votes, but not enough votes. Yeah, they got to pick a Speaker eventually, don't they? Number two. Is it bird brain? Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, he used to be cool at that. He's not cool at that anymore. But he sees the numbers we see. We're coming. She's not coming anywhere. She's down to me by 40 and 50 points. I'm beating her in South Carolina, her state, by 30 points or more. Uh, That is Haley versus Trump, 2024, the Post Show. Uh, These two are gaining momentum. Uh, Trump is uh, way up, but so is Haley way uh, on the the come. So we'll see. We're going to talk to Ambassador. We talked to Ambassador Haley yesterday, and we, you're going to have the interview with Donald Trump shortly. Number one. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. I never thought I'd ever. Anyway. Anyway, uh, he didn't see it, but that's beside the point. It happened. Heart-pounding tension in Israel as a major offensive into Gaza could begin any moment and the threat of a multi-front war mounts. Ambassador Dennis Ross knows all the players when you had those, the good old days when Yasser Arafat was the Palestinian voice. Now it's very divided, and a lot of the leaders of the most palace, the powerful Palestinian faction are not even in Gaza or in Israel or in the West Bank. Ambassador Ross, welcome back. Uh, Brian, always good to be with you. Is it a good move for the Secretary of State after meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu to go meet with Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank? I do think it is a a good move because you want to make it clear that there is an alternative to Hamas. Uh, Obviously, Mahmoud Abbas is not someone who has a great deal of support uh, within the West Bank. The PA itself is not good at governance, is way too corrupt. Uh, But at least as a matter of principle, uh, the PA doesn't view Israel as uh, as something that shouldn't exist. Hamas basically has a position that Israel shouldn't exist. And there is one thing I think we need to understand. You you described it very well. Israel doesn't have a choice. It's no longer an issue. From 2009 uh, until last Saturday, 
there was a, a consensus view, starting with Prime Minister Netanyahu, that as bad as Hamas was, you could periodically live with the fact that there would be conflicts because the cost of that was less than having to go back in and occupy Gaza. After the events of, of last Saturday, which are a combination of unspeakable and incomprehensible, uh, the position in Israel, left to right, the people who are have always been the most uh, strongest advocates for peace with Palestinians, prepared to make the, the most far-reaching concessions, and the people on the right who believe there shouldn't be any concessions made at all, they all agree on one thing. Israel cannot live with Hamas next door. That is wall-to-wall. Uh, and so the old paradigm from the Israeli standpoint from 2009 until today, you cannot live with Hamas next door. Now, the reality is, and you said it again, there are 2 million Palestinians who live in Gaza. They're not all Hamas, that's for sure. So the reality is you can't wish the Palestinians away. You're going to have to figure out a way at some point to live with them. But also Palestinians have to understand you cannot have leaders who basically are the same as ISIS. You discredit your cause when you have people like that who behead babies in front of their families. Can you imagine, Brian, think about it. It's not just that they, they did these unspeakable things, killing babies in front of the families, but they took grandmothers in their mid-80s, one in a wheelchair, and took them back to Gaza. Who does that? They didn't have a, a shred of humanity in them. Uh, and the world needs to to make it clear this is not only something that will always be rejected, but anybody who purports to use these means to promote a cause, they discredit and make that cause itself illegitimate. No question. And now, um, if people want to understand what it is like, Trey Yinkster, I think you agree, is doing an unbelievable job there. Here he is walking into a kibbutz and seeing blood everywhere and getting the story. Cut six. You can see the floors are stained with blood. It was Saturday morning around 7 a.m. When militants stormed this village, you can see the weapons they brought with them, extra ammunition, bullet holes in the side of the house, and knives on the floor. This was the scene. This kibbutz, this community over the border with Gaza is littered with bodies. It is completely destroyed. It looks like some of the buildings were hit with RPGs, explosives, and beds covered in blood, the kitchen floor covered in blood. It is the most horrific thing I have ever seen. And that was the target. If there is somebody that dies that is innocent in Gaza, it's going to be unintentional. It would, it's never the objective. They will walk past every civilian to find the terrorist. These terrorists were looking for every civilian and military people. Brian, you just put your finger on it. If they came upon military people, it was by accident. Their target wasn't the military. What's the first thing they did? They knew about this rave party in the desert. The first thing they did is go there and just mow people down. No military. No, this was about killing people. And I would say it was about killing Jews. Let's be very blunt about it. That's what it was. Uh, these, these, these are people who it's hard to connect to what the psychology is that drives 
these kind of people, and I, you know, I hear the term militant used. They're not militants. They're terrorists. It's not mince words. They're terrorists. Uh, there's nothing that is legitimate about them. Mm-hmm. It is it is the reason Israel doesn't have a choice. Uh, there are, you know, Hamas and the Palestinians are not one and the same. And there will be a lot of innocent Palestinians who will suffer. And again, you drew the distinction exactly the way it should be drawn. Israel doesn't target civilians. Civilians may suffer, but you know who is responsible for those who will die in Gaza now? It is Hamas. No one else. It is Hamas. So you know the mindset. You know that you, I'm watching the video in Qatar of the leader, Hamas leader, celebrating in front of the television. Right. And they're sitting there with Qatari officials, and then they pray because everything went in their their twisted minds so well. Can you explain to the audience why these terror leaders don't live in Gaza and why they're allowed to thrive and live luxurious lives in other Arab countries? Well, there aren't many Arab many other Arab countries where that's the case. Yes, they're in Qatar. They're not in the UAE. They're not in Saudi Arabia. They're not in Jordan. They're not in Egypt. Uh, They're in Qatar. Uh, And I think we should call Qatar out for this. Uh, You know, they're celebrating. Think of what they're celebrating. They celebrate the beheading of babies. What? How is that something that you celebrate? How do you make babies your target? I mean, this is, again, we have to we have to focus on who they are and what they have done. And there is no justification. When I hear someone say, yes, it's a terrible but, there is no but. This is, as President Biden said, this is pure evil. And it has to be called out as such and it has to be dealt with as such. Israel will be carrying out what, look, this will be a terrible onslaught. Uh, in Gaza. And the price that Palestinians will pay a terrible Mm -hmm. price. So will the IDF. You you were describing Gaza as you as you know, as you know, Brian, I've spent a lot of time there. I know. I know exactly what Gaza looks like. This is a very uh, dense, densely populated area. No, the roads are all at most two lanes. Most of the buildings as you go through them is sort of narrow alleyways. Uh, there's, they have created Hamas has created hundreds of miles of of, uh, of tunnels underneath. Which, by the way, all the material that is used, the cement, the steel, you know, the copper, the wood, the electric wiring, all that could have been used above ground yeah. to make life better for Palestinians there. But no, why did what do the tunnels exist for? To protect the leaders, to protect their fighters, and protect their weapons. Do does the Palestinian public live there? Can they go into the tunnels so, to avoid? The bombs? No. So let's be clear. Hamas basically, actually what Hamas wants right now is for Israeli to kill as many Palestinians as possible as a way of trying to discredit Israel. Hamas is about basically killing everyone, Palestinians, Israelis alike, and then trying to pick up the pieces afterwards. Mm-hmm. The idea that Hania is in, in Qatar, the Mashal is in Qatar, you know, they, these people should have, there should be no safe haven for them. Absolutely. And they're living normal lives. Uh, Mohammed Deef is the, they say, is the mastermind, if it's true. Uh, in a wheelchair, leg blown off, eye blown out, one arm. Uh, they killed his family a couple of days ago, father and brother. Uh, they're trying for him. 
So that will be their mastermind, Bin Laden, and these other guys are living as if they're statesmen. John Radcliffe, on the possibility that, that Iran is not involved in this administration going out of the way, saying we're investigating, cut 22. The White House might as well be arguing that the, the earth is flat. You're right. Look, the intelligence community produces dozens and dozens of intelligence products every year, analyzing the relationship between Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah. And in every one of those, there's analysis of the extent to which Iran either approved an operation, directed an operation, ordered an operation, or funded the operation. And so the Biden White House would have you believe that in the largest operation that Hamas has ever engaged in, for the first time, Iran took a pass and was not involved. But even if you set that aside, much as those, much like those clips that you were playing, Sean, on Sunday, both Hamas and Hezbollah came out and said that in a meeting two weeks ago in Beirut, Iran greenlit this operation. So that's the former DNI. DNI. Uh, so, yeah. uh, John Radcliffe, what, how do you do this? You, you know diplomacy, you know negotiation, you write books about it, but you also know uh, that toughness sells in that region. How do you deal with Iran right now if I told you I need policy suggestions? Look, right now what I would do, and I would just say one thing, um, Iran promotes, encourages, funds, trains, uh, all these things. Did they know specifically about this operation? My guess is probably not only for one reason, because if they did, Israelis would have picked it up. The Israelis are so, their intelligence as it relates to Iran, ironically, is so much better than Hamas, partly because they don't. They had a set of assumptions that Hamas basically wasn't looking to, for a war. With Iran, they're constantly viewing this through an existential lens. Had they, they would have picked up something had that been the case. Now, having said that, Hamas gets its funding from Iran. And for sure, you know that Iran was, has been repeatedly telling Hamas, kill as many Israelis as you can. If you can do something like this, do something like this. Hamas, it is very interesting to me that, on the one hand, you have Iran celebrating this and at the same time denying they had any responsibility for it. Now, that tells me they're actually afraid that they might be hit. That actually is a good thing. You asked me what can be done right now. Yep. At a minimum, what we should be doing is we should be cracking down on their oil sales. This is a time, you know, they have been in a position where they're under sanction, but they've been able to sell their oil through a variety of different means, including directly to the Chinese and through all sorts of different subterfuges. Now is the time to close all those loopholes. They should be squeezed. They're gonna. They need to see. They have a. They're, they're going to pay a price for this, and they also need to see. They could well be hit. You know, one of the reasons, I'll tell you, one of the reasons Hezbollah may not be opening a second front right now is because I have always viewed Iran as looking at Hezbollah as a reserve that they use against Israel in the event that Israel hits them. So they don't really want to use up that reserve at this point. It doesn't mean it won't happen because both sides, especially Hezbollah right now, is signaling with the limited use of force just across the border. When they use force just across the border, this is a way of saying we're doing something to support Hamas on the one hand, but they're signaling the Israelis we don't want it to be a wider conflict. Now, when you signal with force, the problem is you can hit the wrong target. It can be misunderstood. There can be a miscalculation. So there is a real risk of a second front, and Hezbollah is dramatically more powerful than Hamas. Uh, the fact that we've moved very significant forces close to the area is obviously designed to be a signal to Hezbollah that they shouldn't enter this. 
the fact is we don't know what's going to happen. What we do know is that in Gaza, as you said, at some point, Israel will go in in a big way on the ground. Don't assume, by the way, that when they do this, it's going to be suddenly all 100,000 go into Gaza. No, Israel will do this in a way that's designed right. not to play into what Hamas expects. Uh, and you were right. You said it quite correctly. They have been setting the battlefield by what they've been doing from the air. Uh, and this is, you know, they mm-hmm. they gotcha. think that they have weakened Hamas. They don't know for sure, right. and they won't know for sure until they get in there. Ambassador Dennis Ross, hopefully talk to you this weekend on One Nation. We'll be live Saturday night. Thank you, Ambassador. I look forward in, to it. You got it. Back right. in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, I got so many emails. Let me read some of them from people. Here's Barbara. Barbara writes this. Uh, Ron and our border. Why aren't Republicans gathering as a group, standing before microphones, demanding that the $6 billion we have released for Iran be frozen? And why aren't they mis- insisting that our border be closed immediately? We already have over 150 known terrorists. 100 percent, Barbara, but they are so ass backwards right now. They're so caught up in trying to pick a leader and trying to be politically correct and run ads about it. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Douglas says this. You were talking about the horrendous things that Hamas has done to civilians, in particular the beheadings of babies and toddlers. You said Hitler and Mussolini didn't even do that. I beg to differ. What the Nazis regime and Italian fascists did to civilian population was horrendous. Just because it happened 70 years ago doesn't mean it's any less terrible. Good point. I stand corrected. Uh, Yeriel Evan Pinch writes this. Yeah, Brian, you like history, so why do you call? Why don't you call instead of the West Bank? Why don't you call it Samara, uh, Samara and Judea? Eventually, if they annex it, I'll call it. But I got to call it by the way it's labeled right now. Jared says this: McCarthy's removal of speaker seems essential before the attack. No mistake connected. Uh, seemed essential before the attack. No mistake connected. Connected. If there is so, and the implications are reaching, present and administration included. Hmm, that's a little bit too cryptic for me. I'm Brian Kilmeade. When we come back, you'll get, for the first time, to hear my interview with President Donald Trump. He's feeling pretty good about his prospects right now, despite all the court cases staring at him. He thinks he can be and is on track to be 47th president. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. All right, joining me now, the 45th president of the United States, who wants to be the 47th, President Donald Trump. Thanks, Mr. President. Hello, Brian. So first off, on the quick moving events, now we know uh, over in Israel that 22 Americans have been killed. At least 17 are thought to be missing and maybe held as hostages in Gaza. Mr. President, if you were president right now, how would you get them back? How would Hamas pay the price? Or do you sit behind Israel? Well, Brian, I have to preface it by saying that it would have never happened. Zero chance. Just like Ukraine would have never happened with Russia. This would have never happened. We had Iran in a very weakened state. Uh, We were uh, sanctioning everybody and fighting with everybody. You can't do business. And China wasn't buying oil. Nobody was buying oil. And Iran was a very poor country at that point. And now they're a very rich country because of Biden, because for the last three years, they've made a fortune. And the $6 billion is a lot, but it's peanuts compared to the $100 billion a year they make on oil. And they're very rich. They were a very poor country, and now they're a very rich country. And they're the ones leading this whole situation. And 
you have a big problem on your hands, and Israel has a problem like they never envisioned. This could have never happened under the Trump administration, Brian. But having said that, you had great relations. You still do have great relations with Prime Minister Netanyahu, who's put together a coalition government. They're all on the same page, mobilized 300,000 men. They've asked for and gotten our support additional munitions. But right now, Mr. President, if you were in control, if you were in the Oval Office, what would you do to get our get our people back? What would you do for retribution for the 22 dead? You are going to have to be, and I have to preface this by saying I don't like telling you exactly what Understood. I would do, because if I do, you're basically doing exactly what Biden does. He was saying we don't want to be attacked from the north, meaning through Hezbollah with Hezbollah. If they don't want to be attacked from the north, that would be terrible because that's the vulnerable point. And I say, why are they saying all of these things? And guess what happens? That was yesterday. And today they were attacked by Hezbollah from the north. It's just incredible. So we don't want to be stupid people and and tell. But I will say that this is all being caused by Iran. Iran is making a fortune, as I told you. They went from not making money with their oil to making a fortune. China wasn't buying. Nobody was buying. I said, if you do any business with Iran during this period of time, we would have had a deal with Iran within one week after I won the presidency. That horrible day didn't take place. That horrible result that was disgraceful, a disgrace to our country. It'll go down in infamy when you look at what's happened to our country since then. But I know you never paid, under your administration, you guys never paid ransom. Brian, it's all coming through Iran, and Obama wants to, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to mention, he doesn't even mention them in his statements. It's all coming through Iran. Well, you mean President Biden. So, uh, uh, but right now. I also mean Obama. What do you mean? I mean Obama and Biden, but Obama is Biden's boss, in case you didn't really know that. You, you believe uh, Obama the, you believe President Obama is the boss. I don't think I don't think Biden knows what's happening, to be honest with you. I think that Obama is calling these shots and he's always felt this way about Iran. There's no question about that. Now, I think Obama and Obama's people certainly are calling the shots, not Biden. So so you don't have any, this just your gut tells you, uh, but you don't have any proof that President Obama is calling the shots. No, it's my gut. But yeah. my gut's been right about everything. So, you know, it's good. They have an expression out there. Trump's been right about everything. You take a look and go down the list. We've been right about everything. So you know how volatile right the Middle the East wall. is. We're right about all of the people pouring into our country. Right about Ukraine. We're right about everything. So what do we and, do? Uh, what do, what no, do we do about getting our people back? There are a lot of a lot of people. A lot of people from Obama in the administration that circled the Oval Office desk, the Resolute desk, and uh, it's one of those things. But uh, whether it's whether that's the case or it's Biden. We are in a mess right now, a mess that should have never happened. I, I understand that. But if this is dropped in your lap, what's the best course of action, knowing that Israel is fully mobilized as a nation? Uh, Robert O'Brien told me Saturday night, first thing I would do is get our best hostage negotiators over there from the FBI to the military. And that was before we knew Americans were involved. What could we do to make sure those Americans are out okay? Well, I think that's a big step, but I think that's a step that's very late right now. It's uh, very late. When you see what they're doing to people, when you see what's taking place over there, you have to be very hard in Iran. I don't want to tell you what I am do- what I would do with Iran, but it's very simple what I do. But you get- this is all about Iran. Iran is leading this. Iran is wealthy. They just got $6 billion from an incompetent president. Iran is very, very wealthy right now. And on top of the tremendous amount of money they've made in a short period of time, three years, Remember, under the Trump administration, they couldn't have prosecuted this war because they didn't have the money. We would have made a deal. We would have made a deal with them, and they would have been just fine. They would have been, everybody would have been happy. 
but they, what they've done now is through weakness is they've made a fortune on oil and they've got another relatively peanuts compared to the oil money. But they've got six billion dollars for hostages, which, by the way, is going to set a terrible precedent for our country. Terrible precedent because I didn't pay any money. You know, we got 58 hostages, as you call them, but we got 58 hostages out. We never paid a dime for any of them. Because once you do, you create a situation that's going to be absolutely terrible. Think of it. They got $6 billion for five right. hostages. It was five and five, and then they paid. They got $6 billion. And the precedent that set Brian is terrible by doing that. So I want you to hear what the and Crown Prince. Uh, yeah, the Abraham Accords are perhaps the greatest achievement of the Trump administration in just four years where these Arab nations, longtime enemies of Israel, recognize them, begin relations with them, and, and, I, and, and recognize Israel as a nation. Next up was seemed to be the crown prince. Here's what he said uh, to Brett happens if Iran gets a nuke. The world cannot see another Hiroshima. If the world see 100,000 people dead, that means you are in a war with the rest of the world. So it's a useless uh, uh, effort to reach a nuclear uh, weapon because you cannot use it. If you use it, you got to have a big fight with the rest of the world. If they get one, will you? If they get one, we have to get one for security reasons and for balancing power in the Middle East. But we don't want to see that. So if, uh, if they well, get that's one. What's happening. That's, if they get one, he's going to get one. And that's true. And, uh, you know, he made a statement. And that's the way he feels it's in the Middle East. And you can, you can kiss that deal goodbye with Israel and, and Saudi Arabia. You can kiss that deal goodbye. That's going to be gone now for a long time. We would have had that. We would have had Saudi Arabia signed a long time ago. They would have been signed up along with the other countries that already signed the Abraham Accords. But you can kiss that deal goodbye. They can't negotiate now. They, it would be so, impossible under the circumstances so to make I, a deal with Israel and Saudi Arabia if, right now. If I put you back in the Oval Office right at this moment, Benjamin Netanyahu knows that he's got to take action and he's about to go into Gaza. Is his fight our fight under any circumstances? Do we have American troops in there? We have to protect Israel. They've been, you know, a part, really a part of this country, the fabric of what we stand for. We have to protect Israel. There's no choice. And do we have to do it? Uh, he has been hurt very badly because of what's happened here. He was not prepared. He was not prepared. And Israel was not prepared. And under Trump, they wouldn't have had to be prepared. Look at what we did for them. And we did that alone. We didn't do that with Israel. And you know what I'm talking about. We did that totally alone, not with Israel. And uh, but they were not prepared. They were very poorly. Uh, was the prime minister distracted? Their intelligence would have been able to pick this up. Thousands of people were involved. Thousands of people knew about it. And they let this slip by. That was not a good thing for him or for anybody. Do you think American intelligence should have been able to help on that? Or is that so? Well, I would have a- American intelligence, but we don't have much intelligence in our country anymore. You look at our intelligence people, they usually, uh, they were the ones that said the laptop from hell was from Russia. Okay. 51 intelligence agents. And it turned out to be a lie. Uh, I think that, and I've said this for a long time, our so-called intelligence is highly, has been highly overrated. It can be great again, but it, it has been highly overrated. Yeah, our intelligence should have known about it, and Israel's intelligence definitely should have known about have it. Have you talked to the prime minister yet? And I don't want to say about you know who I've talked to, but I was very disappointed that a thing like this could happen. And now they're getting hit very hard by the North. And I'm really shocked that the Obama administration can be out there saying, I hope they don't attack from the North. Why are they doing that? How stupid a statement. 
That's like you asking me what I do. I don't want to tell you what I do exactly. But I know exactly what I do. But, you know, I, you just can't say that. As much as I respect you, Brian, and I do respect you a lot, and I appreciate you've been very nice to me over the last year, which is very nice. You've come a long way. But, uh, you know, you just don't want to give away your chess game, right? Understood. Uh, so- but I will say this. It all starts with the rent. Everything that we're talking about, uh, every single death, everything that you've seen, uh, it starts and ends with the rent. And I know you don't want to give away strategy, but but, he hasn't mentioned Iran in one of his statements. His policy was uh, totally opposite of yours when it came to Iran. He looked as he looked at um, Saudi Arabia as the problem and Iran to get back into the nuclear deal. That was his plan. Well, you're right. He had the exact opposite. I call it April Fool's Day because you can't. It's like, you know, you say something like who would like open borders? It's April Fool's Day. Open borders. Who wants no voter ID? It's April Fool's Day. They want no voter ID because they want to cheat on elections. I mean, they want no voter ID. Why, Brent? Why don't they want voter ID? And not the Democrats. It's the people. You know, I think 84 percent of them said, no, we want voter ID. But the leaders want no voter ID. They want high taxes. They want all electric cars, which is going to drive the price up and they don't go far enough. You know, it's all these things. They want the opposite, almost the opposite of every single thing that's good for our country. And you, you have to wonder about that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very sad. I look at what's happening and I look at the weakness. This is largely because they never they don't respect the United States anymore. They don't respect our president and they don't respect the United States. They would have never done this with me. And they didn't. More with the 45th president right after this. It's Brian Kilmeade. so busy he'll make your head spin it's brian kilmeade as promised here's more of my interview with the 45th president of the united states who wants to be the 47th black lives matter has a chapter that basically tweeted out mocking uh supporting the palestinians uh, hamas and mocking the israelis showing a paraglider um we have harvard university not their uh not their provost uh, not their leaders but their students 30 students uh, different student unions come out in favor of the Palestinians, Long Beach State, Columbia, NYU, uh, uh, Law Review. What is your take on all these people who look at this and think the problem is Israel? Uh, not believable. You wouldn't have thought this could have happened 10 or 15 years ago. It couldn't have happened, actually. Uh, a lot of people are not happy with uh, leadership in Israel. A lot of people are not happy with uh, you know, look, Israel had the best lobby, if you want to call it a lobby, but that's what it was, of anybody in the world 15 years ago. But with AOC plus three, with all of these maniacs that are, you know, attacking it from every different angle, uh, they've gone down. They've been diminished greatly. And you have congressmen that right. are support people, congressmen and women that are supporting uh, a cause that, frankly, was not supportable just Five years ago, if you think about it. But look at AOC. Look at the plus three. Look at what the way they talk. And then when they finally get a chance, they get on air and they're asked to, you know, denounce what they said. They refuse to do it. They don't want to talk about it. So, you know, Israel does not have the the power within the United States that it once had. What what kind of. uh, And I think that's sad, by the way. Um, Rashida Tlaib came out, big Palestinian flag, would not comment when asked, is it okay to cut off the heads of children? They found reportedly 40 children with their head cut off. 
uh, is it yeah. possible in your mind to picture the type of humanity that would say that's okay? I think she's terrible. I think she's a horrible representative of our country. And frankly, should be she should be impeached for that. That's what she should be. She should be impeached for that. That's yeah. uh, barbaric. Uh, they, you look at what they've done to little children, babies, babies, where they cut off the heads. It's not even believable that we're having this conversation. But nobody's seen anything like this. We saw very bad right. with the orange uh, jumpsuits, and we took care of that situation. But uh, now you look at what's happening, and this is at a level that nobody's ever seen. And what I'm hearing is that the number of deaths is actually far greater than what we're hearing, having to do with Americans and also having to do with Israelis right. and others. So the speaker, uh, the speaker's had their vote behind closed doors. Look like Steve Scalise is going to get it. If he gets the majority of the votes when they bring it to the floor, he'll get it over uh, Jim Jordan. Your reaction? Because I know you came out in support of Jim Jordan. Well, I like Steve. I like both of them very much. But the problem, you know, Steve is a man that is in serious trouble from the standpoint of his cancer. I mean, he's got to get better he, for himself. I'm not talking about even country now. I'm saying got to get better. And this is tremendous stress, all of the things that you hear about and, uh, you know, things that you don't want to get involved in from the standpoint of getting well. Steve is uh, going through very, very serious cancer therapy. And of course, then he had that horrible attack years ago that, you know, it was amazing that he, he came back. I went to the hospital. I was with him the night it happened. I was literally with him holding his hand. And I was there the night that it happened. And the doctors gave him probably a 10% chance and he made it. But there's tremendous after effect there. But he's got a very serious form of cancer. And, you know, most importantly, I want Steve to get well. I, I just don't know how you can do the job when you have such a serious problem. Is that the only reason you endorse Jim Jordan? And you know what it does, these treatments, they drain you of strength, supposedly. It's like a draining of strength. And we need tremendous strength, both inside and out, because we have radical left lunatics like Nancy Pelosi and Schiff and all these crazy people that are so bad for our country, and they've got to fight them off, and they've got to fight the outside world off. Right. So is that the only reason, uh, Mr. President? Is that the only reason? He's really hurt by... By the, you know, the amount of of right. everything that he's going through. Is that he's the only reason you picked him over? Uh, is that the only reason you picked Jim Jordan, Mr. President? Him to be well. Is that the only reason you picked Jim Jordan over Steve Scalise? His health? No, I like Jim. I think Jim's great. I like them both, by the way. But I think Jim's great. Tremendous fighter. Uh, tough guy. Really liked a lot. But, you know, don't forget, they have a vote now, Brian. They have to vote. And I think it's going to be very hard, maybe in either case, for... Somebody to get, you know, if you lose four votes, you can't get it. Now, you know, I, I think Steve will lose far more than four, and I think probably Jim will too. And they, you end up in one of these crazy stalemates. It's uh, it's a very interesting situation. Yeah. I, I think I've Jim always, Jordan is. Again, I like him very much. He likes me very much. I was there the night that he was so badly hurt. I was literally hearing that he wasn't going to be able to make it from the doctors. They were saying that. They did a great job, and he did a great job. But, uh you know, he's got to get right. well from the cancer. I, I think, Jim, so that's the only, is that the only reason, the, Mr. President, is that the only reason, is that the only reason you picked him over Jim Jordan? Because it looks like Jim Jordan will now vote for Steve Scalise. Well, I mean, look, I'm going to endure, I'm going to be with anybody they pick. And if Jim decides to do that, that's going to be up to Jim. But I will certainly be with anybody they right. pick. And, you know, I get along with, frankly, I get along with all of them. But, uh, I mean, the one thing with Steve, he's got to get well. He's got to gotcha. get well. He's got to get strong. Did and, Matt, did uh, Matt Gates hurt the know, party? 
Did yeah, Matt Gates did Matt Gates hurt the party uh, by ousting, leading a march to oust Kevin McCarthy? Well, he's he was upset that Kevin uh, was doing a lot of the Obama work. He was working on the budget and getting something approved that you know we could have gotten a lot for and. The debt ceiling, everybody was hurt with that. At the same time, Kevin's a great guy. He's a wonderful guy, but people were hurt by that. It depends. I mean, it depends on how good the new speaker, whoever that may be, how good he does. I mean, maybe we'll end up with one of the great speakers of all time, in which case Matt Gates did a, a tremendous uh, favor. But uh, certainly some people right. aren't so happy with him, and other people, I guess, are with him 100%. Matt's a good guy. He means right. well with this. And let's see how you can't really say what's going to happen until you find out who's picked and how good a job that person does. If you want to listen to my full interview, and I know you do, with President Trump, it is now posted as a podcast, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.